Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. It's still a really, really exciting time of the year for sports. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go. My bookie, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000 right now, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, my bookie. Today is Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. It's movie review time, 1917. Was it the greatest movie ever created? That's what three people have told me. Three people have gone on the record saying that it was the greatest movie ever created. I feel like that's an opinion. I don't think you could ever say uh, which movie is the greatest of all time. I mean, there's people who say Step Brothers was the greatest movie of all time. Other people will laugh at that opinion. 1917, probably the greatest war movie of all time, for sure. I mean, this war movie was probably a Hollywood staple, so much that there probably isn't that much new to say yet. I mean, Dunkirk a few years back, I think Sam Mendes, the director for 1917, also directed Dunkirk, which is uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie, by the way. Go check out that interview with Bill Simmons on The Ringer. Uh, but Sam uh, Mendes uh, found a way to, you could say, breathe life into the genre with a simple story. I mean, imaginatively, uh, he told in 1917, Arguably the year's most impressive cinematic experience or cinematic accomplishment. And what could easily have become a gimmick? Mendez here and uh, Oscar winning, uh, who was it, Roger Deakins, I believe, they presented the movie as what looks like one long take. I, th I think the opening track shot, uh, um, I feel like there was a, a glimpse there where you could have said, uh, I don't think so. I think they kind of edited some stuff together. But just think of like the opening track shot in Goodfellas with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci with the camera following the characters, only that on steroids. I mean, the, I mean, the device here, though, uh, comes in the service of a, a gripping, tense cross-country journey uh, as uh, two young soldiers here. They're dispatched by their group to prevent a potential massacre, which requires them to go through hell during World War One. I. I mean, adding to the drama, uh, I think there was 1,600 soldiers whose lives were at stake. There was going to be 1,600 deaths um, with reports that they'd be walking into an ambush should the attack be allowed to proceed. And one of them is uh, the older brother of of Blake, who you uh, probably know, uh, Dean Charles Chapman, he's in Game of Thrones. He draws the assignment along with uh, Schofield, who's played by George McKay, who was brilliant in this. I'm shocked nobody won an Oscar for this movie. Again, probably the greatest war movie I've ever seen. George McKay was phenomenal. Uh, he's the latter in this, particularly unhappy about the arrangement about having to dispatch and go and risk his life. Uh, a lot happens along the way, none of which should be spoiled, but we're going to get into 
into it later with Dylan Parrish and Jericho Rogers making their first appearance here on episode 160. But it does provide a chance to augment the the, the splendid, if you will, central performances, which was um, uh, a, a big part to cameos by a number of top-notch British, British stars. Colin Firth was there, Mark Strong, Andrew Scott, Richard Madden. Uh, can't forget about Benedict Cumberbatch. You'll see him at the end if you haven't seen it yet. And for anyone who needs to be reminded of the slogan, War is Hell, 1917 illustrates just that. I mean, occasionally there are gut-wrenching uh, moments, yet the tale unfolds with considerable sensitivity, offering plenty of uh, haunting images, capturing all the chaos, fear, war, hell, especially through the eyes of George McKay here, uh, perhaps better known as uh, Captain Fantastic, in a uh, genuine breakout performance by McKay. Again, uh, I think it was augmented by uh, Thomas New uh, Thomas Newman's wondrous uh, musical score in this. And uh, students of film here uh, will think back to exercises like Hitchcock's Rope, which also experimented with continuous shots over extended segments. But there's real audacity and technical wizardry uh, in attempt that on a, a project of this scale. I mean, the key is that Mendez um, doesn't sacrifice the movie's heart in the service of its logistical considerations. I mean, already nominated for the Golden Globe, thank God, because it had to be nominated for something. This was, I believe, it came out in 2019. I'm just seeing it in February, so I'm a bit late, a late bloomer when it comes to this movie. Uh, it went under the radar when it, I mean, going up against un Uncut Gems, uh, just to name one that's off the top of my head, but 1917, I mean, 2019 really, truly saved one of its best for last year. So let's talk to uh, two film guys who could know and tell you about this a lot better than I can. Dylan Parrish, Jericho Rogers, GCU film students, here on episode 160 of The O Show. 1917 for you. Better late than ever in uh, the back seat of Dylan Parrish's car here. We got Dylan Parrish. We also got Jericho Rogers. Hello, everyone. I'm Jericho Rogers. You can catch the three of us in uh, Mimicry, available oh, on YouTube.com right now. Oh, no. Right now. Go check it out after you listen to this episode. Dylan, you've uh, seen 1917 twice now. Yeah. Uh, you had to hold back your emotions twice now. No, I didn't. I I, I, every like five minutes, I would look over at Dylan and be like, "All right, <laughs> something bad is about to happen." So, let's hear it, Dylan. Um, you said you could talk about this for like three hours. I, I could, I to. could. The thing about this movie, um, really, is the the fact that uh, it, it's it's not only wonderfully shot, but something that I'm very much a stickler for is a good score. Uh, I think I talked to you about uh, my thoughts on the Joker score, but the the score for this movie is beautiful and gut-wrenching, which is a combination I, I didn't know I needed in my life. So it, it, it hurts just as hard the second time. So that's something that if you guys 
watch it again sometime soon. You, you have to let me know how uh, how that affects you on Did your second go-round. Did you pick go up around. on anything this time around after seeing it for the second time? Um, this doesn't seem like one of those movies where you pick up on something new every single time. It, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not deep in that sense, but it, it's. I think a testament to the filmmaking and to the characters and to the acting that even though I know everything that's going to happen, it hurts just as much and it it, it doesn't feel soft in any way, shape, or form. It hurts. It's mm. nothing like Sonic the Hedgehog, huh? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, it can't be as good as Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, it's it's Sonic the Hedgehog. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog made me cry too, but for different reasons. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you being serious? I, well. I'm being serious at one part. It's the end credits. And once you see the movie, you'll, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. If you've ever played any of the old Sonic games, the end credits will, will be like, oh, teardrop. That's oh, my childhood. What do you think the saddest part of this movie was? You think it was the death of his friend, like, what was it, about halfway through? I'd say, like, a quarter of the way in. Um, I'd say that probably is the saddest part. It's not the most emotional. They didn't have memes, did they? They did. Um, uh, I can't. There was Will. I just couldn't. I couldn't uh, understand what they were saying for most of the time because their accent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I picked up everything that was important, but like, I couldn't pick up like what the dude's name was. And I'm just terrible with names in general, so. I know the guy who survived uh, throughout the movie was Will Schofield. I didn't catch the other guy's name. The other guy, like, they said it at a few points because, you know, at the very beginning of the movie, they're, they're saying his name. They're like, hey, you got a brother, right? right. So I remember that, but um, I think that's another thing about war movies that I, I, I seem to pick up on. Not only am I bad with names, but war movies don't really t seem to to push in the, the thought of, like, remember this character's name because in an actual war situation, I feel like, I, I, I mean, you know, they're, they're just a person you're fighting alongside. So, I mean, it's not like... I mean, because you could tell that these people weren't lifelong friends. They they seemed like they were just friends um, because they met on they, they met you yeah, know they when they went there, to war. Yeah. So I feel like in something like this, names like the fact that I can't remember any names, much like whenever I, I walked out of Dunkirk and I remembered no names. I don't think that necessarily is a negative. I think that's just kind of a I think that's just kind of a um, part of the part of the thing with any war movie. It's definitely not a negative in this movie in any sense of the imagination. I knew uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was in this movie. I just didn't know when he was going to show up. He's right. the only actor I uh, I recognized. I don't know if I was supposed to recognize anyone else, but I was thinking about that. That was on my mind. I was like, what is this actor's name? I was like, it's not Nicolas Cage. It's not... God, could you yeah. imagine if it was Nicolas Cage? <laughs> well, I think he could have actually probably maybe done a decent I'm job. Not, I'm not calling off the attack. <laughs> I'm not... We have to. We have to get the Declaration of Independence. There's a map wrong on movie, the back of wrong it. Movie, Nick. Hey, they're making the third one. Yes, they are. It was. It was confirmed like Should a month or two ago. Stopped at the first one. I. I think the second one was fine. It was. It was more of the first. And I think that's one of the like, Nicolas Cage's best serious roles, which is not saying much, but I don't know. They were, they were fun movies as a kid. I didn't know there was a National Treasure too. Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. So Jericho, out of the five movies that you've seen, <laughs> yeah, the five movies that Jericho, weren't you a child actor? Uh, yes, <laughs> I was actually. Tell that story. Give us a background on Jericho Rogers. Um, got a couple small roles and things. Uh, you know, spent. I think it was up to like second or no, probably like third grade is when I just like would drive to Los Angeles, Hollywood, whatever. Um. And, uh, you know, do little auditions here and there. And I kind of, yeah, like I said, made some small roles. But 
I um, kind of grew out of it. What was I going to say, though, about that? Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't mean necessarily that I was really big, like, really into it. I just kind of did it. I don't know. Were you kind of just uh, pushed into it, would you say? Yes and no, because, like, I, you know, it's not like I hated it. It's not like I did. It's not like I really even didn't like it. I did enjoy doing it. It just, um, I don't know. I kind of, like I said, I just grew out of it. It wasn't my thing, I guess. What uh, what show was it? I know you were telling me when we were filming Mimicry. Um, Again, available on YouTube.com. Raising Hope. Uh, yeah, I was I was in a little Raising Hope scene. I, when Bert, I, Bert, I think is the character's name, it was like a flashback or something, and I was like uh, Bert when he was 11 years old, I think. I, I don't know. You do look like a Bert, you know? Like the character or just yeah. like a Bert? You look, you look I will like say this, though. Going on the record, Jericho is a pretty badass name. Thank you. I Well, okay, I guess the point that... You're the only Jericho I know. Yeah, I, I'm the only Jericho I know. But the, um, I guess the point that I was trying to make was even though like I'm not really a big movie guy, I'm also not a big TV guy, so I've never even seen anything. Uh, I've only seen one thing, like one one role that I've been in. Um, that uh, Raising Hope role, I haven't even seen myself in that episode. You haven't seen Mimicry, so you're admitting to us right now that you haven't seen Mimicry. Oh, no, I saw Mimicry. That's a good point, too. Well, if, But that's not for me as a child actor. Debatable. Yeah, what's going on here? Bit of a debacle over here. Um, not allowed to go this way. Let's talk to the cops here on the O Show. Turning around. I didn't know because I was stuck in this lane. I couldn't get over, so I, I didn't know. Back up. All right. Always love it when the cops make an appearance on the O Show. <laughs> Episode 160. I'm not gonna lie. That's that scared the piss out of me. So what were we saying? Um, it's like comedians in cars drinking. We were talking about my child uh, acting career, but I don't think that's that interesting. In cars, <laughs> getting pulled over by getting pulled over by the cops. Yeah. Oh gosh. I wonder what happened. Uh, so out of five movies, you, you we came out of the theater, Jericho, and you were saying that Fight Club was made for you. Well, yeah, which is debatable. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay, it's literally not made for me, you know. But um, I guess my point was with that was. Uh, I I always tell Dylan how Fight Club is my favorite movie, but like I don't watch a lot of movies. So um, basically, this this uh, 1917 with everything that I've heard about it was basically uh, I guess it was competition for my favorite movie of all time. And while it's a close second, I do not think 1917 beats Fight Club for me. Now I will say that if I don't know. It was a great, great movie. It's a very close second. I just think that um, with my personality and my interests uh, and things that I like, Fight Club was just like a, a just a movie like made for me. You know. It's and again, debatable. I don't think they it just yeah. everything I, I can want in a movie. And Brad Pitt was like Jericho Rogers, no, man. Well, it was everything I could want in a movie. You know what I mean? You no, know, what they did is they saw that show that you were in, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, that that Burt kid. <laughs> He'll love our movie. We gotta." He does look like a Burt, doesn't he? He really does. You know? Anyways, this is a phenomenal movie. 1917. Phenomenal. Number two out of five for Jericho. Number two is out of five. Is this number one for you, Dylan? You've seen a lot of movies. I and have. We've talked yeah. about doing uh, uh, reviews of movies of the 2010 decade. Dude, which is. You couldn't even narrow it down to 100 movies. Not yet. I'm still working on that. Dude, I, I narrowed it down to about 80. But in terms of, of movies, this, this movie had everything I enjoy. And. Um, I, I don't know. I've never really been like a huge war movie guy, but I can appreciate like a good war film that you know is able to make me feel as emotional as this one did. 
Um, and I think the, the statement that I said upon leaving for the first time is still true. It is up there uh, for one of my favorite movies ever. Just ever, ever. And I, I, was, I was hoping that that wouldn't diminish um, upon my second viewing. I was hoping that I, I wouldn't see it the second time and be like, you know what, never mind, solid B minus. It, it's still an A-plus film through and through, and it's still one of my favorites that I've ever seen. Can you compare it to any other war movies that you've seen? Uh, the first one that comes to my head was, uh, yeah, you mentioned Dunkirk. Yeah. What, what about uh, Hacksaw saw, Ridge? Uh, Full Metal Jacket, um, I think it's called. I, I saw uh, bits and pieces of Full Metal Jacket only because my brother ever showed it to me. But I'll, Well, because a lot of... Uh, That's one of the five, wow. So yeah, no, no, Full Metal Jacket's one of the five. It's That one's a good movie. Full Metal Jacket, Fight Club... 1917. Well, connect the dots. What was that bad movie <laughs> that your dad showed you whenever you were at home? Wow. Dude, I don't, I don't even know. Was it Tom Hanks or something? Was it Tom Hanks? No, he wanted me to watch Vanilla Sky because we tried to, like, we sat down and watched Fight Club as a family, and my dad's uh, very much not an intellectually deep person, and so Fight Club did not appeal to him at, well, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm not trying to diss him, it's, it's not who he is. But Fight Club did not appeal to him at all, so he went upstairs, played some Call of Duty, like, halfway within the movie, and he, just, he, got, <laughs> he got tired of it. It's not the same. It just, uh, I don't know, it wasn't for him. It wasn't made for him. Uh, I guess for me, um, from what I have seen of Full Metal Jacket, uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely more on the whole seriousness side of, uh, of I, I guess, like, um, well, what's the way I can describe it? Uh, your superiors in the military, uh, you know, talking down to you. I feel like there were scenes in that that I saw. Uh, well, that was like boot camp, I know, for like the first hour or so. Kind of just basically turning them into killers is what they were doing. Which is a different kind of movie, and I think that that has its own merit as well. But I think there's something to be said about just um, the raw act of, of war and what that can do to a person. Not necessarily the, the making them into the soldier, but you get the feeling with, with um, 1917 that these people didn't get like maybe a lot of training. They probably learned how to shoot a gun, and then they were sent out. Which I think... It seemed like a lot of people were, like, misinformed, yeah. too, throughout that entire movie. Yeah. It was kind of like, we gotta call off this order, everyone's gonna die, and they're like, nah, no. Nah, crazy. I have a letter. Get the fuck out of here. You're, you're an idiot. What, what's a, what is a letter? <laughs> but, no, I, I think that's, that's why I, this kind of impacts me more, is because they, I don't think that, that these characters were meant to be killing machines. There's even, obviously, the, the secondary character, well, the kind of secondary character who died. Um, he only died because he was showing mercy to, to the enemy. Which, uh, you know, a killing machine wouldn't do that. And I think in that sense, I, I mean, that's what a lot of your average everyday men uh, or, or women would do is they would try to have a little bit of mercy. And I think that that's just kind of a kind of a stab in the gut and maybe a bit of a, you know, a, um, just kind of it's different from if, if someone straight out of full metal jacket went into war. Right. You know, it just feels like different conditioning. And I think that that's why I kind of enjoyed this movie more. Right. Well, I have a question for you, Dylan, because. Uh, two other of the five movies that I've seen, I have seen. Well, I wouldn't we'll even get to those two other movies before we wrap things up. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't remember if I've seen the whole thing of Saving Private Ryan. I know I've seen a majority of it, but it was also many years ago when I was younger, and I have forgotten most of it. Um, I I remember a lot of scenes, but anyways, that movie. I want to know how you would compare 1917 eh, to Saving Private Ryan, and then a. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, because I did see that. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts? Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break your heart right here. Uh, you know how I said war movies aren't really my thing? Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. <laughs> I haven't. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think 
Again, you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. No, it's just one of those movies where it's just like that in Top Gun. Just two movies I just never got around to. Um, I think that's why the only real comparison I can make to this is Dunkirk. But it also feels very similar. Like it's it's no Pearl Harbor. It's no which which again I, I don't really think is a great movie to begin with. Um, I like uh, one of the big things I liked in Dunkirk and one of the big things I liked in this movie is that. Whenever whenever a plane is shot, it doesn't explode in a fiery you know hell like hell fire. It, it, it's because because in reality like it just it's just silent and it just falls down to the ground, and and I think that silence is a lot scarier than a giant you know explosion. So I think because of that, um, I don't know because uh, I, I never thought that uh, Hacksaw Ridge or Saving Private Ryan would be those movies, but it's just after seeing movies like this, I feel like any war movie I do see, I, I have a very particular taste in what I would and would not like. Pearl Harbor being one of the ones that I wouldn't like. Yeah. So sorry to break your heart on that. No, that's fine. You didn't break it was a great audible, Jericho. Way to keep the interview rolling. Yeah, yeah, No, you didn't break my heart. I mean... Speaking of which, this is sponsored by audible. No. No. <laughs> sponsored by Mimicry. Go check it out on YouTube. I, I didn't sponsor this. I can't... I can't. So, so let's give credit to where credit's due here. Obviously, George McKay with the performance of a lifetime in 1917. Did he win anything on Sunday at the Oscars? <laughs> Who was George McKay? Which one was he? That was the main character, no, Jericho. No, I don't believe anybody from this got any nominations at all, actually, which... Just poor timing, or...? Um, I don't know. I think that could possibly be it. But, I mean, because this movie wasn't seen by, by most people. Because it didn't go into wide distribution until, like, a week, maybe a week and a half before the Oscars even came out. Uh, at least the, before the nominations. It, was de it definitely went under the radar. I'll say that. Yeah, well, because it was, it was released technically in 2019, but very limited. Like, very, very, like, even a lot of critics that I know and follow, like, weren't able to, weren't able to really see it. Which I, I think might be part of the reason why. Um, but also, like, last year was just a... A really big. Um, it was just a really, really competitive time in the Oscars. So many good movies and so many great performances were were present. Dean Charles Chapman. He he played Blake. The last name was Blake. Right. So that's what I remember. Yeah. Well, I mean Blake, and then there was his brother as well. So they were both Blake. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But yes, I imagine. Jericho, they were brothers. I imagine. Obviously, the last that, names were Blake. Yeah. No, I imagine that the one you're talking about is the. Uh, Step Brothers, another great movie. Um. Yeah. You can turn left here. <laughs> I was stopping to make sure there weren't any cops in the way that were going to yell at me. No, we we love the cop. I love them too, but they still scare me. We love the cops here on episode 160. Uh, talked about it on the way out. Uh, most uh, saddening scene in that was that Chapman's death. Oh yeah, easily for me that was the saddest scene. I mean, I've never cried at a movie. Um, I didn't think it. Was I mean, you've been to five of them, so. I saw um, Hacksaw Ridge in the theater. Because I'll say this, I don't think that this movie um, will be negatively impacted per se by seeing it at home but there's something to be said like I, I could even tell like um the not the same feeling watching it um here as i did whenever it was in a big theater with dolby and everything it, it just it hits more um I, I guess whenever it's so if you watch this movie at home please watch it with surround sound or something watch it in 4k watch like this is this is a movie where you, you want to watch it in the best visual and audio quality not because it'll it'll take away from it because but because for your first experience, you you really want to be able to enjoy every aspect of this movie. I, I feel like wherever you kind of watch it, you're gonna get that experience because what it, they say they did it in one take. But you were talking about it before. You, you saw glimpses in this movie where you thought, okay, maybe they kind of fixed things up. Well, uh, they say that they shot it to look like it was in one take. I don't think they've ever claimed that it was one take because I counted um, at least seven or eight times 
uh, in which there was a noticeable cut, but it was still shot in the style so as to look like it was in one take. Right. Like um, I, the first one, I could tell whenever they're walking down the, the trenches and uh, a, two people carrying a crate walk in front of them. Clearly a time in which they could have cut away from the camera, but I still like the whole... Um, I still like the the, uh, the visual aspect and the, the, the idea of a one-shot film. Even if you don't actually have to adhere to the one-shot aspect of it, making something that looks like that is um, something that I cherish because it's also something very difficult, I believe, to do in film. Because whenever you do something that's all in one take or looks like it's all in one take, you can't do time skips. You can't do a dissolve to this, fade to this, fade to that. Everything has to be told essentially over the hour and 59 minutes that we were in the film watching it, which I think not a lot of filmmakers can do. Um, you know, having to tell a story in the same amount of time as the film. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it's, it's something that I, I feel like is hard to do, but they succeeded here. Absolutely. I feel like the because that was the one thing I was kind of looking out for throughout this movie, despite of course your body language too to tell me when the sad parts were coming. Well, <laughs> to see him getting choked up in the seat next to him, Jericho almost crying. I did cry. I no. I you admitted it. You what? Because before you were saying like I didn't do it. I almost did. Oh no 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 no. I almost did. I I was saying it took every single ounce of strength I had to when he was like bleeding out to not cry. Oh, I thought you meant in general. It took every no. Well, well, it, I, I mean, yeah, it took a lot of strength to not cry. But then, when uh, when the the the, the leader, leader of the other battalion, platoon, yeah. squad, whatever, yeah. when he came and he was like, "All right, like you know, this follow me." Yeah, 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 like come on, we gotta go. Like you know, there's no there's no time to like mourn or grieve or whatever. That's what got me because it was like, to dwell on it. yeah, because I mean, like he wasn't he wasn't ready. Like he wasn't ready. Uh, like because I mean, you see, you see, you saw this kid like. You know, he was like the pro. Like I thought he was gonna be the guy to, uh, you know, be. A, dust. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Will. I thought Will was gonna be the guy who who dies or whatever. But and I thought the other guy was gonna like carry on for the entire movie. Oh, well, that's the way they displayed it in the trailer. Very much so. Which I, I think is good. I like trailers that misdirect you because then it gives you a reason for wanting to see the movie. Not like the Bloodshot trailer that we saw starring Vin. Yeah. What the hell happened there? They, because the thing is, is that I, I, I don't think the movie's gonna be good in general, but. There was one plot. Well, honestly, I might go see it after seeing the the the. the oh, I will. I'll, I'll definitely so go see it. So, bloodshot with Vin Diesel. I guess we shouldn't spoil the concept entirely. Okay, if you haven't seen the trailer, don't go watch it. Go see the trailer; it'll spoil everything. Only Vin Diesel movie I've watched is the one where he's uh like the it's like the daycare movie. What's that one called? Oh, the Pacifier. The Pacifier. So that's number four. Oh we are one away here from completing the puzzle with Jericho um, Rogers. The Fivefecta. Fivefecta. I can't believe that's the one Vin Diesel movie you've seen. I also I I, I want to point out the fact that we say Vin Diesel, you say Vin Diesel, like the fuel. I think that's kind of which funny. one is which I don't know which one's accurate actually. I just know I've never heard anyone say Vin Diesel. I don't know. I've never heard anyone talk I've about Vin Diesel. I've well, excuse me. All right. I believe in uh, you know, we're not friends, we're family, you know, much like the Fast and Furious franchise has taught me. And again, Fast and Furious, was it 9? Uh yeah. <laughs> who's who's Vin who's Vin Diesel's brother? Makes perfect sense. Oh, it's That's kind of cool. Yeah, right? Not not enough for me to go see it, but the, tra the trailer has them, like, uh, I, I I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I the I'm telling you, like, uh, Fast and Furious 10 is going to have them taking off on rocket cars going to the moon. Is it really? No, but it should. Uh, also, like if, Fast and Furious 20. If they don't style um, Fast and Furious 10 as Furious 10, but the I and O is the 10, 
I'm going to be furious. I thought about tweeting that to them so many times and be like, if you don't do this, I, I will find you. And I... Don't say it. I'll beat you in a race. We'll love Vin Diesel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to beat him in a race. That's not going to happen. So Bloodshot, what about... Uh, what's that one movie that's coming out that we've seen the trailer for it a few times now, Dylan, where... James Bond. Uh, not James Bond. Emma. Again, a great movie. Oh, not, definitely yeah. not Emma. That looks like it'll be kind of funny. I'm, I am not watching that. I'm a fan of, of those style movies. Mainly uh, the, the one where everything goes in the reverse. Oh, Tenet. Yes. The, yes. the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. That is that is Josh's uh, most anticipated movie. Here. Then again, he's he's kind of a bitch for for Christopher Nolan. I remember him saying that. Yeah. He is. He he he'd get on his hands and knees and beg for Christopher Nolan to to produce uh, another movie. Yeah, which he's also like a person who really loved Interstellar. I haven't seen it mainly because like I saw kind of the the whole plot. So, have you guys seen the movie? Have, well, no, Interstellar? No. Haven't. Have you? I have not. Oh, it's like the whole uh, idea of it is apparently like. Uh, and I, I'm probably saying this wrong, but like the the way I heard it described was like love can transcend time and space, and like I, I don't know, like apparently at some point whenever they're not able to, to, whenever I think a father and daughter aren't able to get together, I'm probably butchering this, and it's not actually what happens, but um, like their love is able to make them be able to to cross the galaxy and find each other. Is that really what it's I heard someone describe it as that, and I was like, I'm never watching that three-hour movie ever. I refuse. Yeah, well, I didn't want to watch it in the first place. Now I really don't want to watch it. But I like Christopher Nolan movies. It's one of those things where I, I, I will not rewatch Inception, um, you know, within a year after watching it. No. But I don't think that's a that's a I, that that bad. that that movie confused the holy hell out of me. Well, <laughs> the thing you gotta like about that is that I've seen that movie about ten times. Even on my tenth viewing, I'm so like, oh, I noticed. Well, no, okay, I don't. <laughs> but I, I, I still notice things that I'm like, oh, didn't notice that the first nine times. Yeah. So I, I, uh, in my philosophy class, we actually watched a couple movies, but <clears throat> um, I would not count them as my fifth movie that I've seen because I fell asleep during both of them. We watched um, Blade Runner. Fell asleep probably about two out of the six classes that we watched it. Wow. Uh, no, probably more than that. Probably three out of six. And then uh, Inception, I I remember like the last day of, of like I That's just annoys the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I wasn't really. I fell asleep. I mean, it was good to it's nap. not for everyone. It, it's it's one of those films where yeah, and I'm not gonna say like you have to think like oh you have to be high until but like you have to be very invested in the plot. Yeah, and uh, honestly, dude, in high school, getting like terrible sleep and everything. Oh, this was in high school. I yeah. could yeah, I couldn't be invested in uh you know anything. I nothing was gonna get my attention, and so Inception definitely did not get my attention. So uh, now that we're about to park Jericho, what's yeah. the, what's the fifth movie if it's not Inception? Oh, we got, we got, yeah, whatever. We got Vin Diesel's uh, Pacifier. We've got Fight Club. We got 1970. School of Rock. Yes. That. Oh, that's a great way to end this podcast. That is one of my. That's one of my top three favorite movies of all time. Third favorite movie because 1917 School beat it out for second favorite. Rock. So Fight Club, 1917, and Jack Black's School of Rock. What a fantastic film. Oh I could probably, I, I've seen that film probably at least 15 times, um, and I can, I can narrate it easily. Easily. Okay, uh, Jack, I think I, I think I found the next movie that you need to go see, and I'm down to go see it with you if you want okay, to. Have you seen School of Rock? Uh, go, go back and watch it. Okay, I will. You I will. pressured me into That's watching 1917. Okay, okay, but School of Rock is no 1917. Let's not. I mean, the, the, I think the you haven't seen it, so you need to see it while it's in theaters. Um, 
Because I think I told you about it's Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. Yes. You said this was going to be his best movie. Um, it's, I think it's his best performance. Cause I th- do you agree? Because we saw The Gentleman a few weeks yes. back. Do you think that was Matthew McConaughey's best film? Uh, I do, but I've also been suffering from Matthew McConaughey fatigue. I feel like he, he's very much been uh, not really typecast, but I guess also kind of typecast into, into a certain role. And I've very rarely seen him get out of that. At least in this movie, like it, it made sense for everything that he was in. So I don't think it. Um, I don't think it, it was his best in the sense that it, it made him step out of his comfort zone. But I think it was his best in terms of like I enjoyed it the most. It fit, like it, it fit perfectly. I was like, this guy probably really does sell weed in real life. He probably has killed people who've tried to rape his wife. <laughs> uh, probably. Well, so what about the Nick Cage? Oh, because um, the the movie is. It, it, there's a lot to dissect in it. I feel like it would be something that's very. Me and me and Josh talked about it whenever we got in the car and had had our head on our mic. It, we talked about it for like 30, 35 minutes. There's a lot to take away from it, uh, in the sense that it's probably not a great adaptation, but probably the best that you could do, because the whole idea of it is that this color, like a meteorite with this color, lands from outer space, and it has this beautiful color that no one can describe. Like no one can say what they just say it's beautiful. Like Talking about bird box? Well, well, no. See, that's a great concept, but of course, because you can't, you can't just make up a color. The reason why it works so well in book form, because it's an H.P. Lovecraft story. The reason why it works so well in book form is because you never have to say what the color is. You never have to see it. This isn't a comic. It's not a TV show. It, it works in that sense, but the second that you apply it to film, you have to give it a color. And I think there are a few things they could have done differently. Um, but I feel like that's something that I genuinely like, would want to bounce. Oh, to me, I, I'd mix every color that I could find and see it if I could brown. a new color. It'd be brown. Yeah. yeah, when you when you mix more than three or four colors, it literally just turns into brown. I know that because uh, of being a kid. Like I, I would always get those like bath soaps uh, where you like you could mix them in a beaker and make your own color. And I was like, oh, what if I add all five of them together? It just makes brown. But just see if you can throw anything together. You have dirt, like brick. The the thing the thing though is I I think they should have used like a. Um, they should have made it like, you know, the TV static, like old TV static from like the 90s or even early 2000s. Um, make the color that or make the color like uh, a color bar that you see whenever, you know, you see before a t- like the, for like a TV test. Something that um, they obviously see a different color, but maybe make it as though us, the viewers, are not able to process it. Uh, and I feel like that would have made it more of a confusing thing, which I think would have been good. Whereas with this one, they just made it like magenta. But I think it, it benefits the movie in some ways. But it also takes away from it in the fact that it's like, oh, what's this color? I can't describe it. Uh, it's pink, buddy. It's yeah. pink. <laughs> but there are so many good lines in it, so many very quotable things from Nicolas Cage. And it's, it's a movie that I, I really want you to see. And when's, it, when's that one out? Uh, it came out. Um, we watched it at, at like a film bar. Um, which what's a film bar? Um, the way that Josh described it was the... The well, see, that's the way to say it. Is a is a room. It looks like a room in the back of a bowling alley with a couple of seats and a, you know a screen that's like maybe one third the size of the screen we saw today. And do they sell alcohol there? Yeah, they do. Um, I, I I pulled up like like during the movie or like yeah, before, during, after, all well, the time. Here's the important question though: How's the popcorn? Because the Alamo popcorn is still number one, numero uno in my really. Opinion. The thing that I've heard actually is that the Alamo popcorn is hit or miss. Whenever you get it and it's good, it is amazing. But whenever you get it and it's not, it makes you sad. It's just like soggy. I think uh, that's the one word I think a lot of people use to describe it when it's bad is soggy. You think they might be describing the truffle oil popcorn at that point? Because that sounds like the bougiest popcorn ever. 
and I'm instantly turned off by it, but also at the same time really want to try it. Because I, I want to try $11 popcorn covered in truffle oil. Make me feel like, make me feel like a fancy boy, you know? But the movie is, is gone into semi-wide release. It's not going to be an AMC or a Harkins, but it's, um, I believe it's actually out at uh, the Alamo now, maybe. Um, it, but either way, like if you want to go see it, if Jericho wants to go see it. Which know, movie? Uh, Color Out of Space. If you like Nicolas Cage or the randomness or the wackiness of him, and you like a movie that is interesting to talk about, then that's a movie to go see. The extent of my knowledge of Nicolas Cage is when he was uh, part of like those Rage comic memes way back when. when uh, you don't say. You don't say. Yeah, that was an, that was an amazing movie. He was and I, I've seen that. I don't know what movie it is, but he, there's that. I don't remember. I think it was some YouTube meme as well. When like, Does he bash the pool table? No, 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 no. When he has like the bees on his face, and he's like, "Ah, oh, the bees, not the bees." Not the bees. That's the, um, that's the, the Wicker Man, the remake. But um, I think another one of like his famous clips was from Mom and Dad, where oh right? Have you seen that movie? Uh-huh. You know what? You, now that I think about it, I, I in in school I watched National Treasure too. I don't remember what class. Or th- I watched that in school too. I think it was fourth grade, fourth or fifth I, grade. Something like that. That's I the think, movie they were showing us. Who did you guys go? I, to? I wanted to go to. That I pr- I think I fell asleep during that too. To be honest, like, you know, premium. But no, in 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 Mom and Dad. I the think whole I just wanted Nick Cage to die in that movie. Oh no! I wanted him to end up with the girl again after they broke up again. Didn't know there was a girl in the movie. Honestly. Well, there's a, there, there's got to be a girl in the movie, but. Um, I, I think because in, in Mom and Dad, it's it's like there's this airborne virus that circulates the entire planet, and it makes all moms and dads who instinctively you would think wanted to take care of their children instinctively want to murder them, and that's the plot of the movie. And there's a scene in which uh, Nicolas Cage takes a sledgehammer to a pool table he made himself, and he sings the hokey pokey, and he's like, "You put your right foot in, you put, and then you, you and then he he just he loses his mind." And that that role is um, it's it's not one of his best. It's crazy, but it's crazy without substance. Whereas I think Color Out of Space, it's crazy. It has substance, and it makes a lot of sense for the way the dad uh, character goes in the movie. Okay, so we got to do uh, Color Out of Space, and then Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, the new Ben Affleck movie, which I think is gonna be phenomenal. Oh, What's yeah. it called? Um, for the love the of way the, back, the way back. That's yes. right. I remember that because of the, the the website, the way back. And then we got to do a rewatchable as soon as you see it. School of Rock, just instant classic. All right, all right. I'll, I I am I am a Jack Black fan, so I will. I, dude, Jack Black is amazing. Oh yeah, of course. Well, the thing about School of Rock is that it's not like it's one of those movies where it's like it'll kill you with laughter because it really. I mean. It's just like one of those it's movies. It's a stupid movie. It's a stupid movie. So are most Jack Black movies, but in a good way. And it's not even that the storyline is good or anything like that. It's not even just like, it's kind of like you can compare, well, you can and can't. Like, it's one of those movies like the Blues Brothers. When I watched the- Another great movie. Yeah, yeah, You're, you're killing it, Jericho. Hey, I'm telling well, you, you're killing I it. I watched it. I watched it, um, actually. So maybe I've seen six movies. But it was like, dude, stupid, stupid movie. Breaking but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it was a stupid movie. But it's like I kept watching it because it was like, okay, this. I don't know. It was just like it kept me watching because it was so interesting. School of Rock's just like that. School of Rock is just like there's so much like stupid humor in it that like you can't not watch it. Well, see, here's the thing. Now, now that you've gone from five to six, you can't stop at six. You gotta, you gotta go by five. So I mean, what's the next four movies you're gonna watch? Oh, that's a good point. Right? Color out of space has got to be one of them. Eh, it doesn't sound Color out of space. Hey, listen, we. Hey, Sonic I do, I do want to see American Psycho. Oh, God, 
No? Do you not like that movie? I despise that movie. Really? Okay, so... Well, I don't know anything about it. I just want to watch this it. Is a, this is the same, a very similar argument that I, I had with, with Josh uh, whenever we talk about... Well, don't spoil anything, by the no, way. No, I won't. Uh, whenever we talk about It Follows and how much I despise that movie is... I don't think just because a film is like a... Um, it's like a, a euphemism or it's, it's symbolic of something. I don't think just because it is that inherently makes it deep or an enjoyable story. And that's my problem with American Psycho. Uh, it, it just, it, it, gets too, it gets too lost in its own ass from trying to, trying to become very philosophical. And there are probably a lot of people that disagree with me, as, as seen by a lot of people online who love it. It's just one of those movies where it, it, it kind of gets to the point where Inception almost got too deep. But it, but it, it fit the line perfectly. Like it, it walked that line very well. American Psycho, in my opinion, didn't, and neither did. It, it went follows. off the rails. It's not that it went off the rails. It's just that there's there's obviously the aspect of I can't understand everything in it because I'm not a I'm, I I I just didn't care to dissect it as much. But also, I think I think another thing is like a level of not mismarketing because I don't remember the marketing for it whenever it came out. Obviously, but it, it very much seems like a different movie and. It, it kind of like did you ever see um, it, it? It comes at night or whatever that that movie was called. I'm familiar with the name. Because uh, I I can't remember the plot. I just, I just know that it, critically it was phenomenal. But the thing is, is that so many audience members hated it because the the trailer showed it off as a horror movie, when in actuality it was more of a like a thriller. It was it was it was more of a mis like I can't remember what exactly genre it was, but because of the trailer being so misleading, because of the premise sounding so misleading, I. Uh, people hated it and i think that's something that is hard to do because a trailer can be misleading um on purpose and then you end up loving it because it ends up being something different but then if you make the trailer misleading in a direction where people want it to go and then it doesn't do that it's no longer a cool twist it's a lie it's a bait and switch yeah. and that was the same thing with it comes now i think that's the same thing that i felt with american psycho probably one of the reasons why i didn't like it so i feel like that was a big tangent but well, there you have yeah, it you know so watch American Psycho. You'll probably, you'll probably, if you, if you couldn't follow it, follows, because uh, you saw it follows, right? Never heard of it. Oh, well, because we had it was the whole uh, sex STD demon thing that kills you. You did not have that conversation. Yes, with me. I did. Me and Josh had it whenever we were sitting. In the oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did tell me about it, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely not watching that movie. Uh, and didn't Josh love it? He loved it, and I hated it. Yeah, well, his, I mean, it just sounds dumb. His only reason for like the only reason he could give him was like it's 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 uh very symbolic. symbolic. Yeah, and I was like, what? Okay, what does that what does that mean? Like that's I mean I I and I and I gave him this. I was like I could I could take a shit on the side of the street and be like that's a symbol for society. homelessness <laughs> uh, for society for the the sweltering pile of society and and the immense expense of the world that's never going to go in. I'm like that doesn't make it good just because something's you know symbolic of something you know I. I don't know. I think that was one of the reasons why I hated. Also, the characters were hateable. Uh, not, not in a sense of like. There are three feelings you can feel for characters, and and especially in a horror movie, is you can love them, you can where you want them to live, you can hate them, like in any Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street movie, where you're like, ah, I, I can't wait for these guys to die by the villain's hands. And then the third one, which is the worst, passionately disinterested. It's the same thing with Slender, uh, Slender Man. It was. Did they the make thing. that a movie? Yes. It was the only movie I ever fell asleep in theaters and missed 30 minutes. Really? It was, it was, it was bad? It was horrendous. I don't think I've ever had that what experience. I don't think I've ever left the movie theater halfway through a movie. It's, no, I didn't, I didn't leave it. Like, I, I fell asleep. 
That's even worse. I fell asleep for 30 minutes. I woke up and I turned to my best friend and I was like, oh, what did I, what did I miss? And he looked at me with so much confusion and said, you have missed a nothing. Literally nothing has happened. And, and as soon as the final girl dies, spoiler alert, gets absorbed into a tree. Uh, it's a little teardrop. She gets you know, absorbed into a tree. And it's like there are people in the audience that were like, oh, no. And I was just like, what was your name again? <laughs> that sucks because Slender at the time was just like such a cool well, game. Also, that, the movie came out eight years after the whole creepypasta. Did it really? It came out literally in like 2016 or, or 2017. And like, Slender Man really? like 2010 or 11, right? Uh, I think it was more like... It was when I was in high school. Ah, there's no way it was whenever I was in high school. No, I, I, yeah. Maybe you're right. The thing for me is that, like, ultimately what it boils down to is It Follows also has very dislikable characters because, and it's just that I didn't care whenever they died. Well, let me put it this way. If you play Slender now, like, the game is, like, not scary at all. I mean, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe they did a really good job with the movie then. Yeah, maybe, maybe they did. But, okay, so back then. night it just turns on, dude. Yeah, no, back then, back then it was really scary. The game was really scary. Well, also, we but were then kids back then, too. You gotta think. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so maybe the movie, if it was released at that time, would have been amazing. I'm just, maybe, I don't know, I haven't seen the movie. I'm just playing devil's advocate, but, Something you know. you gotta think about, too, is that even, even nowadays, people who look back on the original Slender game don't look on it fondly because they... Yeah, it's... Well, they got over the hype of it. They got over the hype of like, oh my gosh, it's a Slender Man. Oh my gosh, there were two girls who murdered. Same thing with said it was for Slender Man, which actually happened. Right. Yeah. No. Same thing with like Five Nights at Freddy's. Like there is a bunch of hype around that, and then now you could look back on it and it's like. Eh. Well, uh, the, the different thing about that, I'll play devil's advocate. Uh, well, not really, because I actually enjoy the Five Nights at Freddy franchise. Not amazing games, at least not the past like five or six of them, but genuinely intricate lore that at the very oh least, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th th that's its saving grace at the very least does not collapse upon itself much like the slender man lore of the movie and of the games too right. it's 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 a cheap horror jump scare fest which is also why i don't like a lot of horror movies nowadays because it's just like i i don't i don't think jumping in front of me or or playing a really loud high-pitched noise is an effective scare it's uh, oh my gosh you got me to jump i mean i don't think that it's it's effective for horror and i don't think it's effective for Anything else, and that's why I kind of like get it in the Five Nights at Freddy's thing because the whole point is they're showing you something really cutesy that jumps out in front of you with just literally what it is. It's a, it's a kid's scream that's just pitched up really high. So I think a little bit of distortion. I mean, it's it's more than that, you know. But well, hey, no, whatever. like cool because I've seen videos of, of analysis where they literally took the exact same video, the audio, pitched it down. It just sounds like a kid. They slowed it down and and like pitched it down. Um, uh, I don't know. I maybe I'll watch that video. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of enjoyed that because it's like, oh, they're they're very in on the joke of like, okay, this is like literally the least scariest thing ever, and haha, we got you. You actually jumped at it. Whereas in horror movies, I guess it just feels kind of cheap. It doesn't feel like they're in on the gag. It feels like they're just trying to recreate something like from Paranormal Activity or or whatever. I don't know, jump scares, like drawing smiley faces on my windshield. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like that's that's a where where we where we come from that oh, American Psycho yeah I just I, I don't remember I don't like something that's just a euphemism or or just symbolic because I don't think that alone sustains something uh, to be fair I don't think action alone can sustain something I don't think comedy um, alone can sustain most things I think you well, have I to, say that's true uh, yeah well because I think comedy is the one thing where if you just have comedy and nothing else it's sustainable enough but everything else you you kind of have to have something to rely on it you know there has to be something. Uh, something to hold itself together like it can't stand on its own with only with only one good aspect to it i could see that yeah you're gonna have something that's like really shot well 
But if the story's bad and the acting's bad, no one cares. Well, think about, like, comedians. Like, I mean, their whole thing is literally comedy. Like, there's nothing... I mean, but that's the thing. If, if, if they're just a good comedian, you know, it's not that they're just telling funny jokes. It's like they have other things, you know, rather than just jokes that they're doing, you know, whether it's, like, uh, like physical movements or, you know... There's mannerisms. more mannerisms, yeah, little like quirks or whatever. It's not just the comedy. Yeah. Wow, that that really that really went silent. So that was uh, you could say Dylan's parish of American Psycho. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, I got I've a little tried making that joke before, and I've gotten booed out of class. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna. So let, let's end this episode with this. We were all in mimicry. You directed it. Oh God. I mean, quote Jericho unquote, and I starred in it. Again, available on YouTube. Look it up. Mimicry. Dylan Parrish. It's on his YouTube page, ladies and gentlemen. Also, your favorite, face. favorite moment from filming that weekend. Also, if you can't get enough of me after Mimicry, there's also an interview of me that's on Dylan's oh, that's same right. YouTube channel. The interview of him because he's a music guy. I interviewed him. But your favorite, favorite uh, thing from Mimicry is whenever you tackled me from the desk. That was the funniest uh, part. We had to do that like 10 times. Dude, over. but it was, I thought it was hilarious. And the one of the screams, the one that I actually ended up putting in, was a real scream. Because like you, you tackled me and I, I remember like, I think like my, my ankle kind of went sideways. And I was just like, ah, like genuinely like, I, I was like caught off guard. And I think that was just. Like that's the one I can't get up. Yep. Yep. Or, or the time when you jumped into me and I had a full cup of water and it just <laughs> all over me. And I was like, what? Rat poison, brother. Oh, that's a line that every time I hear, I had to listen to that line too many times on editing, and it made me it made me regret a lot of the writing of that. I thought that was like really funny actually. Right until you hear it about forty thousand times. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's the whole point when you're acting in it. Yeah. You can't be funny. Yeah. You got to be sick of it. What about you, Jericho? What about you? Me? Got into the makeup uh, quite a few times that weekend. Yeah, I think I the, the one thing that sticks out to me is that so all of us, uh, Hank, by the way, Hanku. Great job as the mind that entire weekend. Fantastic. Except for behind the scenes when he, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't say anything. It was like Jim Carrey being, uh, what's his face? Uh, Al Kaufman? Remember he was in that movie? Um, Truman Show. Jim Carrey's name. Uh, he was being a method actor for, I think, Andy Kaufman. He was in that movie. Does that sound familiar? Again, bad with... Um, the Mask. The, ma the, the Mask, that's what it was. Was it actually? Oh. No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Jim, that, that, that was Jim Carrey, though, right? Jim, Carrey. Uh, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. So it was a documentary. Oh, I've never heard of that before. He I've literally be, became Andy Kaufman while he was on set, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera for about a month. Yeah. My sister told me so about that. method acting is good. Uh, what, 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 whenever method acting isn't good is like Jared Leto's uh, uh, scenes. Jared Leto. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, Heath Ledger locked himself in a, in a hotel for like six, that six was, months. That's ridiculous. And, 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 Why? Because yeah, he, he wanted to he wanted to get into the whole isolation of what makes a person become this. And it felt very real. I don't know if it was actually six months. I know it was a while. But then Jared Leto just sends dead animals and used condoms to his co-stars. I'm like, that's not that's not, you know, that's not deepening your character. Is that's that just what making... Matthew McConaughey got for all of his hard work in Dallas Buyers Club? I don't know. I just... I, I don't like, I don't like, you know, whenever it, it felt like a really cheap PR stunt, and people wonder why he was kind of recast as the Joker by someone who was better than him. All right, you already perished one movie. Yeah, no. Let's keep it that way. Hey, I still like Suicide Squad. Hey, that. Well, hey, Dylan. Maybe, maybe your podcast could be called Dylan's Parish. No. 
Uh, well, I'm just saying, or it could, you know, it could be, it could be a spinoff. It could be a different. Well, basically, like, he'd have a podcast of varying good movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly, you could, or well, not even good. You could just like completely like just destroy movies and just call it Dylan's Parish. Oh, dude, there's a segment that I want to do for for um, me and me and Josh's podcast. Yeah, a segment. Did it come up with a name yet, by the way? Uh, he he passed around one name, which I thought was a really good name, but it's just it's become it's becoming a lot of a mouthful to say. The Pop Culture Couch Podcast, which sounds cool, big mouthful. Also, the three times we recorded, we haven't been on a couch. We've been in a car and at a table next to a couch and at a table again. You know what? I just tried saying that three times fast. I didn't even make it through the second time. Yeah. Well, no, but um, so the segment that I was thinking is that um, I, I, we, we, look up, um, we look up Rotten Tomatoes reviews, and you know how whenever they'll, they'll post a review, they only post like one or two lines from the actual full reviewer? Like you have to say that line, and then the person has to guess what movie that's reviewing. It's a really interesting segment. Now, if only I could get the technical aspects down. I still haven't published any of those episodes because either A, I have, I've had to edit them too much and I can't do that in, you know, in conjoint with work and school, or B, the audio sounds like ass because of where we recorded at. So, you know, that's life. So is life. Dylan's Parish here in episode 160. Instead of comedians in cars drinking coffee, this was degenerates in cars drinking Popcorn butter getting pulled over by the by the cop. by the pops by the po- pox by the pox the cock but no seriously if if you want to like le- legit this week next week whenever uh color school of rock that too we are doing that rewatchable that, episode that, that and Colorado space but here's the thing if I watch that you gotta you gotta come with us to watch Colorado space that's that's the and agreement his seventh movie his it's seventh magic movie number with Nicholas Frickless Cage. I like it. I hate it, but I like this it. This is going off the rails. It Let me really wrap is. it up. Go Episode 160 of the O Show presented by Belly Up Sports. Remember to go to TickPick.com to get 10% off your next order, as well as Mecca Nutrition. If you're in a banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, hit it. Who- Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.